It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. We've rolled over to March, and in the Big Ten, a team is ranked, a team is undefeated, a few teams are surging, and there's a few that we have questions about. We'll hit on all of those on the Big Baseball Podcast. Kyle Charters with Drew Charters. I have nothing for you this week. Hey, I'm empty. That's better than your Bad. lame jokes, usually. <laughs> hey, those lame I'm giving you those jokes for an audience of one, me, and if I appreciate them, then that's all that matters. <laughs> it's all about you, Kyle. It's all, it's all about me on this podcast. Um, it's all about me and IU coach Jeff Mercer, who will be on with us in his fourth year down there in Bloomington. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, the Hoosiers got off to a, a difficult start, but man, you start to dive into that schedule a little bit. I mean, Clemson, you thought, okay, Clemson's good, but the Tigers are one of those five undefeated teams with another team from the Big Ten, which we'll talk about a little bit. So we'll get into that schedule and, and Jeff Mercer's philosophy with that and his team this year that looks so much different. He had one player this week who had a pretty good week offensively. Yeah. Uh, we might He might be a big bat nominee, perhaps. So we'll talk about him as well. Let's dive in here uh, to the Big Ten, Drew. I, I wanted to sort of break these teams down a little bit into teams that we feel like are real, teams that we feel like uh, we have some questions about, and then some of those ones uh, down at the bottom that we're like, yeah. what's what's going on here? Our, is it a schedule? What, what do we got? So teams uh, that we're feeling good about right now. I mean, look, Maryland lost two of three in Greenville, North Carolina over the weekend, but those losses were to Michigan. Uh, in a non-conference game, and East Carolina beat Indiana State. I mean, that was a a great little uh, round-robin tournament, if you will. Uh, The Terps stay ranked in the top 25, at least at D1 Baseball, at number 24. This seems like, to me, the most well-rounded. Now, Michigan might have a better offense, but when you combine what the Terps can do on the hill with what they can do at the plate – I think it's a pretty well-rounded team. Yeah, I, I think talent-wise, maybe the most well-rounded team in the Big Ten. I, I'll make the argument here later, switching gears, that Rutgers might be playing the best right now on all mm. three cylinders of the game. But mm. uh, back to Maryland, you, you know, pitching well, hitting 250 as a team. Maxwell Costas is off to a great start, four home runs. He's also hitting 333, so that's great to see. We Gotta stay about, healthy, baby. We talked about Maryland getting off to a good start. Yep. overall, but maybe as important is Maxwell Costas getting off to a hot start because last year was such a frustrating year with the injuries and, yep. and, and trying to stay in the lineup. And uh, so good to see him, uh, you know, playing at the level that we all expect uh, Costas to play at. Yeah, especially when he's hitting like fifth or sixth, it just makes that lineup all that much deeper. And, you know, the ERA for the um, rotation and, you know, the whole team is under three with three starters who I think stack up against uh, just about anybody. Three guys who a little bit have a little bit of that mentality, that grinder, you know, and Nick Dean, Jason Savakul, and, and Ryan Ramsey. We don't know Ramsey quite as well. We've seen the other guys uh, pitch it from a starter perspective. But, man, you can you can roll those three guys out, out there, and, and they give you an opportunity. Even the two losses that Maryland had, at least given the opportunity – this weekend, one of those losses was to Michigan. The Wolverines are seven and five. Michigan also lost two of three in that same uh, round robin down there in, in Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, it beat Maryland before losing to, to East Carolina and then Indiana State. 
Um, but look, you talk about Michigan offensively. This is a team that can put some runs up now. Uh, Ted 297, 111 runs in 12 games this year, 16 homers, slugging at 500 as a team. Um, you got some names there that, that yeah. we know and that can really hit the ball. Uh, they're, they're, they're good on, on that side. I mean, they can, they can put some runs up now. Yeah. When Michigan loses games, it's not because of their offense The you know, there's, there's nothing to complain about there. It's, yeah. it's pitching. There's question marks, I believe in, in the pitching. Well, I, depth. I, that's exactly what I, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. I, I think that they're, they might have a couple of guys there, uh, at the top of the rotation. Um, but then out, man, it. I think it might get pretty thin pretty quick. Yeah, there's several guys struggling in the pin. It looks like, uh, you know, they've got about four to five solid options out of the pin right now, and, and I think they'd, they'd like a, a couple more. And then defense as well. The defense has just not been there this season for Michigan yet. They've uh, got 13 errors in 12 mm-hmm. games. Uh, on the In the Sunday loss against Indiana State, the outfielders lost two balls uh, in the sun, and it ended up leading to four runs from wow. the Sycamores. So that stuff just... That's the, you know those are errors that don't show up in the in the box score, but yeah, uh, you know got to be better better overall defensively and on the mound if they're going to get it rolling in the right direction here. Which I think you know they're Michigan. I uh, you know I I'm not overly concerned right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I think they'll get it together. They've played a tough schedule. Yeah, they're uh, seven and five, and you know right. they the, the schedule doesn't let up much. Their next four games uh, are at Louisville this weekend, then a midweek game on March 15th, so a week from today. At Vanderbilt, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, if you can go two and two through those next four games, I think you would be happy with that slate. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and that, that, the bull bullpen depth will be tested a little bit. Hey, how about Rutgers? Uh, Steve Owens breaking the curse here on the podcast. He was on with us, uh, last week and then Rutgers goes out there and wins, uh, six games and runs that streak to six in a row, a nine and one now on the season. I mean, it's a good Rutgers club. Uh, they've got some veterans coming back. They filled in with some good young players, three quality starters. I'm not sure there's a number one. Like, is there a is there a number one guy that uh, that stacks up with some others? I'm not sure. We'll see about that. Got a great closer. Uh, can hit the ball. Can do it in a bunch of different ways. Hitting nearly 330, slugging 500. Yeah, maybe we were just a year early on on Rutgers last year when they got off to that good start and then sort of faded late. Yeah, I mean, you you look at some of these stats that Rutgers putting up, and, and that's where I, I just mentioned a few minutes ago that I I could argue that in in the three main facets of the game, pitching, hitting, and and defense, they're playing the best out of any team in the Big Ten right now. Yeah, they're hitting three twenty nine as a team. Uh, they've had at least eleven hits in seven of their nine games. They lead the nation in doubles per game. They've had three games with at least six doubles. That's incredible. Uh, On the pitching mound, you know, you talk about, is there a number one guy? Well, I think time will tell on that. Brian Fitzpatrick has not given up a run in two of his three starts. Well, that seems pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Not bad. (laughs) The entire staff this past weekend combined for 16 and a third scoreless innings. They've given up three or less earned runs in seven of the nine games they've played. Mm. I mean, all of these are 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 just yeah. incredible stats. On the defensive side, they only have five errors. Five yeah. errors on the entire season. Mm. I mean, Michigan's got good. 13 errors. And Rutgers has played a real schedule. I mean, they have mostly played true road games. 
They travel out to Hawaii uh, this week, and then they'll, they'll make a stop back in Omaha. That was originally supposed to be Sac State, but because of the conference out there changed some things up, that would have been an interesting season, uh, series, a um, little bit better competition than uh, presumably Omaha will be. But, uh, but yeah, this will be an interesting trip for Rutgers, long trip over spring break as they make that stop on the way back home. We'll see what the Scarlet Knights are able to do. Iowa uh, lost two of three at the Frisco Classic, six and five now on the season. It's a great event. Beat Washington State after losing to Wichita State and Texas A&M. Um, what do we think about Iowa? They've got a couple of guys. Are we too high on Iowa? They lost. Did you see they lost a, they lost to a D3 in the middle of the week last week? Yeah. It uh, happens. It's baseball. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what's so remarkable. You know, you talk about getting on a side tangent here. You, know, you talk about Purdue being undefeated but it, in baseball you could lose games i mean it's yeah. you know anything can happen there's so many different things that can happen but in iowa's particular case what happened this weekend I, you could identify it as a couple of big innings they didn't play terrible they lost two or three but they gave up uh a big inning against wichita state they were up four nothing in that game ended up losing six to four because it was one big inning uh they gave up five runs in one inning to Texas A&M on the mm-hmm. weekend. So really, you could identify, you could narrow this down into just a couple innings. You look at Adam Mazur, who's been outstanding in the Big Ten so far this season, and you look at his stat line, and you're like, oh, he's human. But then you really <laughs> dig into it. You really dig into it, and he went five and a third inning of no-hit baseball. Yeah. So he still pitched outstanding, even though you know they got the loss in that game, and the stat line doesn't really reflect you know, I think the the uh, the nature of his outing, it was right. a really good outing by him again, his third and three games. And you feel like him and Connor Schultz could be the best one-two in the Big Ten. Now, Schultz did not pitch this last weekend, and Iowa has had some weekend rotation injuries in recent years, so hopefully everything is fine there. We're not really sure. But, man, you've got a couple of guys in the middle of this order for the Hawkeyes, too, and Keaton Anthony and Peyton Williams. OPS for both of these guys, 1.279 and 1.178, respectively. Uh, They can find their way on base and hit the ball for a little bit of power as well. So we'll watch Iowa. All right, uh, a couple of teams we want to talk about here before we get into uh, Big Bat and Big Arm Um, and then our interview with Jeff Mercer. Uh, So Purdue is 12-0. Um, they're off to their best start ever and finding ways to win games like on Sunday, trailing five to one in the, in the ninth inning before rallying to tie against Longwood, uh, then winning on Cam Thompson's walk-off home run in 11, but Purdue has only played one true road game. It was the marquee victory at Charlotte. The, The competition has not been the best, but as you said earlier, it is hard to win yeah. 12 games against anyone. Purdue has to be given credit uh, for going 12-0. and Now, what does it mean? I don't know. We, we don't have the answer for that yet. But you do have to give the Boilermakers a lot of credit for being where they are right now. Well, and a lot of this is about building back a program, too, right? Like, yeah. you've got Greg Goff, who was an assistant under Wazikowski. So he's been with the program now for a little while, but you know, he gets, you know, the head coaching job goes through all the COVID stuff. Yeah. He's trying to build a program here. And so Purdue's not a team that needs to go from, you know, a bottom tier team in the big 10 to winning a big 10 championship this year. They just need to do what Rutgers has been doing. Show improvement every year, build the program. Mm -hmm. And 
And it doesn't matter who you're playing right now. They're proving that they're building a program right now. I think yeah. that's what they're doing. They're, that's true. You know, mm-hmm. they're a different team this year. They've they're, they've got 41 steals on the season. They're becoming a fast team, and that's what Greg Goff likes. Yeah. They've got some more power. Purdue only had 22 home runs the entire season last year. Mm-hmm. They have 11 already this season in 12 games. Uh, Paul Tates and, and Troy Viola are going to add some pop to that lineup, and they have been doing that. Uh, Jackson Smeltz has been really good. So, does Purdue need to win the Big Ten this year? No, not at all. They need to continue to show improvement to building a program, and that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, Smeltz uh, looks like a legit number one. Now, Purdue has not pushed him. He would have to go seven innings this last weekend. You know, he, of course, has had some some injury issues in his past. But 3-0 and with a 1.65 ERA is pretty darn good. Uh, Nebraska has won a three of four to improve its record to four and seven, perhaps a sign that it will live up to expectations this year. Long Beach State coming in for this weekend at home in Lincoln. Um, the starting pitch has just been okay so far. I, uh, a lot of questions here still about uh, the Cornhuskers, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it's just all about consistency for Nebraska. They've got the talent. They've got the names and the players. Yeah. They've, they've just got to put it all together. You've seen you know uh, spurts of, of certain guys playing well in, in certain games here, but sort of just coming all together for the Cornhuskers hasn't happened yet. I think it will. They've got the players to do it, and it's a, you know it's obviously still early. Indiana's 4-6, and six, but man, it had a tough schedule to start. Has won three of its last four now with the offense scoring 44 runs in the last four games. I'm not sure about that pitching yet uh, because they've walked a ton of guys. Now, some of that in my contention is a little bit of the schedule. You try to nibble a little bit when you're playing against good offenses. But the offense for the Hoosiers seems like it might be able to score some runs here. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I still think they're trying to figure things out. On the on the pitching mound, they've used three different Sunday starters so far. Yeah. Still trying to figure out that weekend rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, I think, it sounds like more concerned with the walks than you are, I think. Uh, you know, walks is a thing where... I think it's very difficult to correct that, and it, it, meaning that yeah. eventually it's just who you are, right? right. I mean, it, it is yeah. it is who you are, and I, you know how long into the season until it just is who they are. I, I don't know, so it, it's it's a little concerning to me. Um, but hopefully, once they figure out that weekend rotation and get some consistency in there, it'll settle a little bit. So we've mentioned seven teams. Uh, we'll get into the rest in the weekend rotation after our interview, man, it's hard to not feel like in the big 10 this year, there are those teams and there could be some shuffling here. And then there might be a drop to those next. And, you know, maybe not, you know, it's hard to tell early in the season because of schedules and, and all of that, but we'll talk about some of those other teams. Let's jump into uh, big arm and big bat uh, awards for this week. And I'll start off. Let's let's go with uh, let's go with some bats. Uh, Cam Thompson over the weekend for the Boilermakers was five of fourteen, uh, four runs, four runs driven in a double. He had that home run, walked it off in eleven on Sunday. Dramatic victory for uh, Purdue, which looked like it was going to lose its first game of the season. It was down five to one going into the ninth and got that game into extras. And then Thompson won it on a, a walk off. With Michigan every weekend, you can like just grab whoever, just throw uh, a dart at the lineup. Uh, Ted Burton over the weekend was five for fourteen with four runs, four runs driven in, a double, a home run. Tito Flores was five of twelve, two runs, five ribbies. 
couple of doubles, a home run. Luke Schleiger from Maryland had a great weekend. Eight for 14, five runs scored, five ribbies, a triple, a homer. He had that triple and the home run on the same game in Friday's loss to Michigan. Chris Aline had six hits and 15 at-bats, four runs driven in, a couple of doubles, a home run. Some guys had good individual games. Jack Kelly on Saturday was three for four for Minnesota with four runs driven in, a double, a home run, and a couple of runs scored. And Drew Record on Sunday for Ohio State was three for four with two homers, three runs driven in. He doubled as well. So two homers, a double, a single, two runs scored. Uh, that's not bad. Actually, he didn't have a single. He just had the extra base hits. So that's pretty good. You got some guys uh, to throw in there as well? Yeah, we'll start with Rutgers. Uh, in Josh Carota grauer had back-to-back four RBI games for the Scarlet Knights on the weekend. That's not bad. Ryan Lasko and Nick Samillo both had great weekends uh, for the Scarlet Knights. For Northwestern, Bennett Markinson uh, hit the go-ahead two RBI single in the top of the ninth to win the game. He was just five for seven on the weekend. He only played in two games. He pinch hit in the first game um, and was two for two. Had a couple of runs and a couple of RBI uh, for the Wildcats. Um, Steven Rustick for Northwestern had two home runs and two doubles on the weekends. Max Anderson for Nebraska um, in game four versus UT Arlington had a great game. Four for five, a couple of runs scored, a triple, a couple of RBIs. Uh, Moving over to... Iowa, Peyton Williams, uh, a couple more home runs on the weekend for Peyton. He's had a, a great start to the season here for the Hawkeyes. Was it him that I saw? Did I see a highlight on Twitter of him jumping into the stands and making a catch? I do not know. I think I did. It was a good play. Um, I'm going to give him credit it regardless. It sounds like it. Sounds yeah. like a good play. Um, I'm going to give him credit regardless. Nice play. Uh, big, it, big glove. Big glove. We should have a big glove. I don't <laughs> make this segment better. <laughs> uh, Brock Tibbetts uh, for IU uh, in a midweek game against Miami of Ohio was two for four with a couple of home runs, five RBIs, two runs scored. He had eight he, eight hits on the on the week. Uh, did Tibbetts, uh, but for the award this week, uh, we mentioned it in the opener. Uh, you can't have a better weekend, I don't think, than Matthew Ellis. It was pretty uh, good. Just talking about game two here against Missouri State first, and then we'll talk about his weekend. Game two against Missouri State, he was three for five. Two home runs and a double, seven RBIs, three runs scored on the entire weekend. That includes four games. He was seven for 16, a total of three home runs, what? a couple of doubles, six runs scored, and 15 RBIs. 15, 15. RBIs. Come on now. 15. That's a gimme. That's pretty good. He is our big arm. Uh, big bat, that is. Let's, let's go over to, uh, to big arm. Uh, I've just got a couple of nominees here. Minnesota pitched the ball well over the weekend. Sam Ireland went six innings, gave up just a couple of runs, eight strikeouts. J.P. Massey went six and two-thirds. No earned runs, one run, at eight strikeouts, a couple of walks. That's in Saturday's win over Kansas. Jackson Smeltz had a great Friday start uh, for the Boilermakers. He went seven innings, struck out ten, walked just one, gave up three hits and a run. That was in a, a victory against Longwood on Friday. He's my nominee. I think you might have somebody better, though, Drew. Statistically, what what do you got? I do. Uh, let's let's stick with Indiana, who we just left off with Big Bat, or I just left off with Big Bat. Jack Perkins got a win versus Missouri State. Uh, six innings, two hits, a run, seven strikeouts. Riley Goins for Illinois pitched well, and a win versus West Virginia. Five innings, just a hit, eight strikeouts, no runs for Gowans. Dylan Nedved came in in relief um, and pitched four and two thirds for Iowa against Texas A and M. 
Uh, he just gave up three hits, a couple of runs. They were unearned, nine strikeouts for Nedved uh, for the Hawkeyes. Uh, Jared uh, Collar for Rutgers and a win versus Richmond with six innings, five hits, no runs, seven strikeouts. Um, for Nebraska, they had a couple of good outings uh, this weekend. Cody Frank uh, got a win versus Northwestern State, six and two-thirds innings, five hits, no runs, ten strikeouts for Frank. Uh, but he was um, outdone by Shea Shanneman. Not uh, a transfer. Not a transfer. Did he? Does he? Does he earn that uh, the nickname to go away by <laughs> by winning this award this week? Uh, Shanneman in a win again versus Northwestern State. A complete game, nine innings, uh, just three hits, no runs, just one walk, and eight strikeouts for Shanneman in that in that victory. So we'll give it to uh, Shea Shanneman this week, and uh, possibly. The nickname might go away. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great nickname. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's let's move on here. Uh, you're right. Uh, maybe if we added Big Glove, it would just help that whole segment out. <laughs> uh, let's let's get to Jeff Mercer here, the uh, fourth year coach with the Indiana Hoosiers. We'll have him coming up next on the Big Baseball Podcast and production of 101.7 The Hammer. <laughs> Jeff Mercer, the head baseball coach in his fourth season down in Bloomington at Indiana on the Big Baseball Podcast. Hey, Coach, appreciate uh, the time, especially on a, a game day for your Hoosiers. Your team uh, four and six overall, but I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that record really tells the story of of your season thus far. Man, you guys have played uh, quite the slate of teams including Clemson and true road games to open up the season. Now the Tigers are what one of five teams in the country that are still undefeated 11 and Oh, you played neutral site games against then number two, Arkansas and then number six, Stanford. Uh, you guys have played some teams to say the least. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been a great experience. Um, you know, you know, as a program, you have to make a decision on, on the, uh, how you want to compete. Do we want to compete, you know, just regionally? Do we want to try to compete nationally? Do we want to try to get out and, and push ourselves to, to do something that's, that's beyond kind of the, 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 the normal experience for the kids. And, and that's the thing that we've decided to do as a program. We want to really go out and push ourselves and, and you have to have the courage to go compete. And you know what, you, you might get hit in the mouth, but you'll learn so much more by going out and, and competing with the best in the country. The, the players learn more, the coaches learn more. Um, you 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 gain that experience, and in the long run, that ends up being that we feel like is incredibly beneficial. So, I know it it, uh, it it takes a little bit of thick skin up front to go and do it, but it just ends up it ends up being so much more beneficial for the the kids in the long run um, that we just it's like it's incredibly important, and and we'll do that every year. We'll open up and play against the best and push ourselves and compete, uh, but but it it does pay dividends in the long run. You have to sort of run a little bit of a balance, right, between uh, scheduling tough teams at, at difficult venues and not getting your team uh, too, too beat down mentally a little bit too, right? So how do you sort of balance those two things, or do you just expect your team to have, you know, thick skin and, and be able to make it through it and then, you know, pick up a few victories along the way as well? Yeah, I, I think that way, the, the, kind of the latter there, where if you, if you get in that arena enough – you will eventually play at that level, yeah, and and you will like especially for us. You know, this is our, our fourth year now, and so 
you know, we're, we're, we've, we've, we've recruited well. We have talented players. We have, we're, we have some, a lot of young players, but we're, <laughs> we're talented. We're young. And if you put those guys in, in those environments and you expect them to be able to, to compete and win those games, then they eventually will. And that becomes the standard. And then now that, now that becomes the new standard and the new normal for them. And, and I think if, if you place all of your value on only the outcome as a program in general, right. uh, then, then you have, then you, you've set yourself up for, for failure because now if you, if you play poorly and win, you did a great job. If you play well and lose, you, you stunk. And that's not, that's not the truth. So if you, if you place the value on just the work that we do in the process that we're following, you know, all of those things that, that sound cliche until you're in the middle <laughs> of a, until you're in the middle of a hornet's nest trying to fight your way out in front of 6,000 people calling you, you know, every name in the book, you know, with the, all, Although all of a sudden those things that seem cliche are really important. So I, I think the way you go into a season where you, you, you focus on growth and improvement and can we become the best team that we can be in the last six weeks, yeah. then you, you take away the sting of a momentary lap. So I made a mistake here. I didn't know this or that didn't happen. Or, hey, we haven't been outside yet and these guys are six weeks ahead of us. All those things are relevant now because it doesn't matter because the, the point was to learn and to grow and to be exposed to the best that college baseball has to offer. And then the expectation is that we will now become that because we've been in that environment so many times. And, and so I think that's the big thing. Now, you're right. If it's like, hey, we, we lose a game in an environment that the cards are stacked against you early in the season before you get a chance to get your feet underneath you, then, then if, if the, only the outcome matters, yeah, you set your team up for failure because right. now it's – yeah, I mean, like, how are we ever supposed to get our confidence back? But if you if you watch, now there are some times where games got away from us a little bit, but you could see the growth throughout the course of it, throughout the course of games and weekends, and that does create confidence. I don't know that just winning creates confidence. Right. I think the way that you play the game creates confidence and, and understanding that you can play at this level, you are good enough to do this. Um, and then, that, like I said, that becomes your expectation. So it it's a, I guess it, it is a balance, but I think the balance is more like how you build – the mindset and mm-hmm. what you build the expectations are moving into the season and not necessarily the wins and losses. Yeah. Yeah. The balance is a little bit in the messaging. It sounds like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Your, it, it seems like your team has come through the gauntlet a little bit. You've won uh, yeah. three of four, including two of three at Missouri state, which is not an easy place to go either. You feel right. like uh, you feel like your team is, is starting to come together a little bit, put to put together a little streak here where you might be able to pick up some, some series wins. Yeah, I, I love this group. I really do. And I'm not just saying that to say it. It's it's one of my favorite groups that I've coached in a long time. They they have just a great a great attitude, a great demeanor, terrific work ethic and they're and it's talented. So when you have those things together you, you have a chance to, to be successful. So, you know, when you when you when you look at where we are right now, offensively we're starting to be able to play offense the way that that it's designed for us to play with the with the personnel that we now have and we're able to kinda of execute we would like to, and on the mound, we lost you know, lost five guys to professional baseball last year. <laughs> so we, we're working our way through. It's a talented group. We just got to get everybody on the right seats on the bus and in the right roles and <laughs> right. figure out what those are. Um, but but we are getting better in that regard. We got a really good start Saturday and a really good start Sunday against Missouri State had a ter- has a terrific offense. Uh, as, as they'll go and show, they're, they're going to score about 10 runs a game the rest of the way, but the, uh, the, the, the staff are starting to come together and I, and I like those guys. So I think what you're going to see is as guys get comfortable and find their roles, they're able to thrive more, but I, we are, we are right where I thought we would be at 
I, you know, we had the we had the five nothing lead against Missouri State on Friday and didn't hold it, which was frustrating. But that was the first time I was legitimately frustrated. But besides that, we're about where I thought we needed to be at to put ourselves in a position to to go play really good baseball kind of here on out and, and, and do the things that we want to do, compete in our conference at the top end and and, and have, a, have a chance late to, 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 to make a run to things. So, um, yeah, I, I really like this team a ton. I have a, I have a lot of confidence and belief in them, and they're, they're a heck of a lot of fun to be around every day. It's certainly a new team. Uh, you mentioned the pitchers, the, the top five of them, who all uh, are now playing professionally. But, man, you also lost, what, like seven of nine position players, regulars from last year's team. So you've really had to to reload here. In this environment in, in college baseball these days where you have uh, transfer and you have guys who, you know, might get drafted and, and move on, you have guys that transfer out of, of your program, how is it that you go about, and I've asked uh, Greg Goff and Steve Owens this over the last couple of weeks as well, how is it that you go about building a roster that you feel good about, and and clearly you feel good about this one. But how is it you you do that these days? Because there are so many moving parts. It's not like a basketball team where you have you know a rotation of eight or nine. You have a you have a roster of, of thirty five or whatever, and and a bunch of guys who have to play uh, every weekend. How, how do you put that together? Well, I I think you have to make a decision as a as a as a coaching staff in a program. Do we want to build a program? Or do we want to build a new team each year? Yeah. And, and, and for us, well, we want to have a program. And so it's got to be through high school players. So you, you have to make a decision. Are you willing to go through, recruit high school players, get them to campus, allow those guys to play early, and then grow up and flourish together? Which means the growing pains, the good, the bad, everything in between, right? I forgot the outs, you know, uh, <laughs> you know all, the, all yeah. the different stuff that we're going to do. And you got to let them grow up. You know, like right now we're playing five to seven freshmen every game. So you, you've, you've got to make a decision as a program. Are we going to have a program that's built every year in the Bedrock Foundation be in high school players or is it going to be in transfers? And, and for us, it's going to be in high school players. So now every year we know that we're going to have we're going to have five or seven high school players coming in that can immediately impact us. And each class is going to have five to seven players that have been there for, for more than a year. And then you can say, okay, all right, I'm going to go grab the portal. I'm going to go. We have an immediate need here, or mm-hmm. we have an immediate need here, and fill in, fill in the holes, mostly through professional baseball that 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 the roster has. I think either that decision, or it's hey, we're going to go out and we're going to try to recruit, you know, 15, 15 junior college or, or transfer guys every year and try to re- and try to build a team each and every year. And I'm not saying either one's right or wrong. It's just you have to make it. It's a personal personal decision on, on what you want to do. And, and for us, I would much rather have the, the program foundation built and then add a piece yeah. as need fit. You know, once once your roster reveals itself in June and July, and then you can go out and say, I just, I'd like this piece or this piece. And I think that way, too, for us, in my personal opinion, you're able to get the the character and the, the integrity and the, the human being that you want in the program when you go out and do it that way, because you're, you can be so much more selective. Hey, we need one infielder, you know, right. we don't need four. And in, in that way, it's like, you can make a dozen phone calls and find the right person. Cause as you know, the, the, the people matter so much more in the locker room than the ability because everyone's of, you know, equitable talent for the most part. And it's, it's a big deal to have the right people. So that's, that's the thing for me is 
having having your your base and high school players and and then being able to add a piece or two here or there and then it and then the the hard part the wild card is the, obviously the, the the professional draft yeah and then how much that is are you going to lose you know we've lost i think 20 guys in the last thir- two or three years um so it's like are we going to lose five guys this year or 10 guys this year <laughs> it's like yeah that that makes it a little more difficult, but the high school model for us has, has been successful over the years. One of those gra- guys that you grabbed out of the uh, the junior college ranks, Matthew Ellis, uh, this guy seems like a professional hitter, right? I mean, yeah. he, yeah. he uh, left-handed bat that you can put in the middle of the lineup, uh, a, a big dude, um, great swing. Uh, he looked like a player probably at his JC, and it, and it turns out he looks like a, a player in Bloomington, right? Yeah, Matt. Matt's special. He's a, he's a special human being. Has really become the the, the leader, uh, uh, I think, of the entire organization for the most part. Um, the leader of the program. He's a tough dude, but he he can really really play. Uh, he he was he's always been very physically gifted. He had a, had a few adjustments to make, kind of tighten the tighten the swing up, tighten the turn up, a little bit better decision making. And and he is as big and strong and talented of a man as I've ever seen in college baseball. And, that that's not an over exaggeration. He, you know, I was uh, we had Elijah Dunham with us a couple of years ago in mm-hmm. in Double A, Triple A, borderline big leagues with the Yankees, and he reminds me a ton of Dunham with with more with more power. It's it, it's 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 different. He's, he's, he's special. He hit a ball this weekend that goodness gracious, it was <laughs> like nothing I've ever seen. So he's been a lot of fun. And I tell you what, the the exciting thing for for him is. He's learned to catch. He's gotten a lot yeah. better defensively behind the plate, and as that comes, now now we're really in business. So, yeah, I, I think that baseball's still looking to land somewhere, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Talking to yeah. IU baseball coach uh, Jeff Mercer here on the Big Baseball Podcast. You mentioned your your pitching a little bit earlier. Um, are you are you finding guys in the in the right roles? You think now, and who are some of those? guys who you feel like have um, maybe stepped to the forefront here a little bit over the first few weeks of the season? Yeah, Jack Perkins has been sensational. I, I think you look at him as kind of the first and, and foremost there. Jack Perkins has been outstanding. Uh, uh, Bradley Bramer this weekend threw really well. It's, that's two weeks in a row he's thrown well. Um, he's a kid that I recruited at Wright State, and then when he, when he transferred, uh, had him come over to Indiana, and he's done a really nice job. The professional left-hander has, has really cemented himself as a, a Swiss Army knife bullpen guy, potential starter. Now, those three guys really come to your to come to your mind is mm-hmm. not knowing exactly what you were going to get, and all of a sudden those three guys step forward. Reese Sharp, I know his numbers don't don't uh, don't uh, show it as much, but he's done a really good job. He's given up a couple two-run homers that inflate those numbers really quickly, but he's done a good job. And, and I, I think what you're going to see us do more and more of is as we get settled is. We've got some depth on the mound. It's a little bit unproven, but it's talented, and 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 work more in not allowing guys to get through the lineup the second and third time. Yeah, and and just kind of come in waves at them, which which is a little bit different for us. You know, the the, the last couple of years we we've, we've run the very traditional pitching staff where you've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and and you roll those guys out, and those guys go seven or eight innings, and then they all get drafted and da 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 da, which is great in an ideal world. But until we stabilize a couple of those spots, I, I think you'll see us do a little bit, be a little bit more creative and, and just not overexpose some of those guys. I think that's probably what we've done is 
get when they get back that second time and third time through, if they don't have a second or a third pitch that's landing productively, yeah. we're just not. We just got to get them out of there before they get overexposed. Right. The walks numbers are ugly. Uh, yeah. Is yeah. that? I mean, you played good competition, so I'm sure yeah. as a pitcher, you're you're trying to nibble a little bit more against some of those offenses that you've played. Uh, is that the case, or do you need some guys to throw some more strikes? Uh, the first weekend, there was a couple of guys that that got they were just took up and and just walked, you know, seven guys. Yeah. They, they were they just yeah. kind of had a moment there, and so those kind of skewed those things. But we do need to attack more. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think we've got guys that, and, and like everyone does, but you know, they, they throw the ball 95 miles an hour, and so I want to throw the ball 95. It's like that's wonderful. But if it's 95 off the bowl, like we got a problem. So, you know, we, we need to be in, in more competitive in the zone and executing pitches, which we have gotten a lot better at. Between the, We've done a better job of, of attacking with our fastball uh, from the first week to the second week to this past week. Now we just have to – it's just landing the off-speed pitches, not having to – you know, we have to throw the best breaking ball that I've ever thrown in my whole life every single time just land it like just land it and then it opens up the rest of the plate to get back to your fastball and again that that goes with that goes with guys that haven't pitched and a lot of that goes back to not having midweek games last year where a lot of these guys should have thrown 50 innings last year they should have been on the mound 10 more times but you don't have midweek games and and those guys have no experience they've never started they haven't they've never been stretched out never thrown more than, you know, 20 or 30 pitches out of the pin. And now it's like, hey, I want you to go start on a Friday. It's like, well, I've never thrown more than 30 pitches in an outing. I said, well, you got 120, let's go. <laughs> so yeah. it's, a little bit, it's a little bit different. And, and as those guys get worked up, then, then they'll, they'll, I think they'll take off. But it is a talented group, and, and you can start to see some of those guys settle in. And, and as they cement roles, then other guys can get more comfortable in their roles too, and that, that'll help a ton. Right. You guys played your home opener on, on March 1st. You know, all these northern teams, we, we go down south, we play in front of pretty good-sized crowds, especially when we're, you know, in true road games. But I think, yeah. it, you know, over the last, since I've been doing this, 15, 20 years, we have seen the crowds here north just just improve so much. And, and yeah. you guys had nearly 2,000 uh, at that home opener. Uh, you know, I, I know Purdue. Purdue will get big crowds when the weather uh, turns a little bit better. Up here, we, we see that across the Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State, you know, just everywhere. How impressed are you with, um, you know, especially in this day and age when there's so much other things people could be doing? It, it seems like, you know, college baseball's really taken off from, a, from a, a, an attention-getting sport. And maybe it's because of what's going on in Major League Baseball right now. But, gosh, you watch some of those games uh, down south over the weekend, and what, there's, you know, there's 10, 12,000 people in the stands and, and we see a little bit of that up here too. Just, just how much do you feel like the game has grown in that respect uh, that on March 1st, when we know the weather may or may not be very good in Indiana, uh, teams can draw 2000 at home. I, I was, I was so pleasantly surprised. Uh, I was, I did not, I did not anticipate that to be honest with you. I, we've always had good crowds and good support. And I thought, you know, maybe, you know, a thousand people or so, you know, 800 to a thousand people come out and see a nice ball game. It was a really warm day, mm-hmm. but to have 2000 folks show up and, and it really was a, it was a home field advantage. It was a home field crowd. It was, it was a ton of excitement. 
and, and we played well for them, so which made it hopefully to where they'll come back in the future. But I, I think, you know, as you look across the board here, especially up in the north, as that fans have, have, have supported and shifted as as universities and programs have supported baseball more. Yeah. You know, we have a, we have a, an incredible facility, right? We have a beautiful stadium, which, you know, it's uh, we have you know, nice suites and press boxes and areas people watch games. We, we sell alcohol now. Yeah. All of these different amenities where it's an enjoyable experience to come watch the game. And then I think the big thing that's happened is, is the product on the field has changed tremendously where, you know, you're rolling guys out like Matt Ellis and, and Morgan Calpe hitting balls 500 feet and <laughs> guys, guys throwing the ball 95, 97 miles an hour and you guys making great plays. It's just the college baseball, the product has changed as player development has changed, as turf fields have allowed it to change. And guys have turned down overtures in professional baseball to go to college. And it, you know, the product is, is – it's minor league baseball now. Yeah. College baseball is – you know, it's high A. There's some there's some high A, double A players playing college baseball today. Not not all of them, but you have some of those guys there, and and I think that makes the sport a lot more exciting, mm-hmm. and and people will come watch. That. And like yeah, I've kind of joked before, if Major League Baseball can't can't kind of get it together, then maybe college baseball can swing <laughs> yeah. in and fill that void a little bit for them. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Coach, appreciate the time. Best of luck in these midweek games and this weekend, and uh, we'll see you up here in West Lafayette here in a month. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have an awesome day. Yep, you too. All right, that's uh, IU baseball coach Jeff Mercer on with us on the Big Baseball Podcast. We'll be back with the weekend rotation. This is a production of 101.7 The Hammer. All right, Drew, let's hit the weekend rotation, the things we are talking about as we head into the weekend, and we need to talk with topic number one about those other teams in the Big Ten. We're just wondering whether there's a a drop between the the seven that we've talked about previously and the rest. I don't know if we have enough information to to say that for sure. I think it's possible that a team or two uh, from this group uh, could make a move, Illinois, Minnesota, uh, Northwestern, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State. You know, for Minnesota, the Golden Gophers' record is only four and nine, but the Gophers have gotten some solid pitching performances, including uh, this weekend uh, up there in, in in Minneapolis, where they only took one of three games, but they pitched it well. Sam Ireland went six innings, gave up just a couple of runs. J.P. Massey went six plus, uh, gave up just one unearned run. Aiden Maldonado came out of the bullpen against Notre Dame late on on Sunday night and went six innings where he gave up just two earned runs, kept the Gophers close in that game, struck out five and walked a couple. I just don't know whether John Anderson's club has enough offensively to support that pitching, and perhaps that's a reason why it is four and nine right now. Is Is there enough guys in the lineup to really make some noise once the Big Ten comes around? I'm just not sure at this point. Of those teams, uh, who are you thinking about? Yeah, I'm wondering if we're not talking enough about Michigan State. I mean, uh, you know, it's been a streaky season for the Spartans. They're 5-5 five and five on, on the year. They won three of their first four games to start the season, uh, then lost three straight this past weekend. They were in that group with Kansas, West Virginia, and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won two of three, knocking off Kansas and West Virginia. And they gave Notre Dame, who's ranked 12th in the nation, they gave them a run. They only lost two to one. Yeah. Uh, so a, a really good weekend 
by the Spartans as a team. Offensively, they're hitting 317 as a team. Yeah. You know, that's going to get you places. On the pitching mound, they've got a, a, a just over a five ERA. Zach Iverson's there. He's been a, a veteran mm-hmm. um, for the Spartans o- over the years here. So, you know, I don't know. If, if Michigan State can can keep up that offense, hitting over 300 as a team, I mean, yeah. I think you've got to pay attention a little bit to the Spartans and, and see if they can uh, be one of those who move up. All right, topic number two, uh, we're talking about weather. There are several teams here in the – the second, well, what is this? This is the the first, the second weekend of March, uh, trying to play at home, including uh, here in West Lafayette, Purdue playing Bellarmine at home. Uh, already, we've seen some shuffling of the weekend. Game one of that series is moved to Thursday, which really looks like the best day of the week. It gets sort of sour on Friday yeah. and Saturday and, and maybe a little bit of improvement on Sunday. So we'll see how the rest of the weekend goes. St. Thomas is playing at Northwestern. Long Beach State is at Nebraska. I'm not sure what the weather's supposed to be like uh, this weekend in Lincoln. Indiana's got a couple of home midweek games, right? Uh, so we'll we'll sort of see how all this works out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I like the effort in trying to schedule these home games early because yeah. you can't you can't both complain that you don't get home games early and not yeah. even try. Right. Because what if you don't try? And all of a sudden, you know, this past weekend at West Lafayette, it was 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. What if you don't try, and then all of a sudden it's 70 degrees in, in West Lafayette, you're, you, know, you don't have any games scheduled. Yeah. And you're, and you know, so then you can't turn around and just bellyache about not having games scheduled. Yeah. And these games, the, you know, these schedules are made so far in advance. You, you have to give it a shot. And this is, this is these Northern teams, you know, giving it a shot. And yeah. we'll see how it all plays out. It, 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 it gets fun mixing around the schedule and trying to get as many games <laughs> as you can. Yeah, fun's win. Yeah, one way fun. to put it. Uh, okay, what are we watching this weekend? Uh, we literally will be here uh, at Alexander to watch uh, Purdue and see if the Boilermakers can continue uh, that um, undefeated streak. Uh, what else we got this weekend? We mentioned uh, Nebraska hosting Long Beach State. We'll see about the Cornhuskers. Should be a, a good series. Iowa is at UC Irvine. Uh, a, a series I will not be watching is Rutgers at Hawaii because game one on Friday is 1135 <laughs> Eastern. I will be asleep. Uh, that we mentioned that series, uh, Michigan and Louisville, and then Michigan on to, to Vandy a week from from now. Uh, that should be a four good four game trip for the Wolverines. Any of those sort of stand out as what you're watching this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit you hit the main ones there. Uh, you know, I'm interested um, probably in all, all three of all three of those: Michigan and Louisville, Long Beach State at Nebraska, and Iowa UC Irvine. Because I think yeah. you know there's there's you know, we've mentioned the, the the questions about Michigan, the questions about Nebraska, and the questions about Iowa. I, you know, I think there's still questions for some of these teams. And the longer this season plays out and the, the tougher the competition gets, I think some of those get answered. And I think we can get a lot of questions answered in those three series. All right, uh, that'll do it for the pod for this week. A special thanks to Jeff Mercer for coming on with us. We do appreciate his time. He joined us on a game day as well, which uh, we know time is is limited in those instances. So, We appreciate him coming on. All right, uh, that'll do it. We'll drop another podcast next Tuesday. Uh, For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. You're out!